body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm Arnold Switch, joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. The hockey season is now fully complete for everybody. Obviously, MSU, it's been over for a while, but we still got some stuff to talk about. So we're here in the basement of Holden in the Impact 89 FM studios, and we're talking some puck. What's going on, guys? I'm um, doing pretty good. It's, uh, you know, this is the first week where it's like been genuinely nice outside and so nice it really is man i i don't even know what, i can't even control myself right now it's it's too fun i seeing all the people out monday like people just well, yeah. drinking outside on a monday oh yeah no so like sh- no legit uh when i was le- walking from my apartment to my car um uh, i was walking down albert ave uh and you know i pass harper's on the way here and like already it, at like you know six thirty on a wednesday uh the harper's patio is already like packed with like with people out there uh it was it was a beautiful sight to see honestly that puts a smile on my face it, east lansing it, is back it put one back on mine <laughs> yeah i can't remember the last time i actually saw people sitting outside like in the back patio of owen i think you know what i'm talking about kind of yeah. like by the dining hall there's like that outside area i forgot first, that existed exactly <laughs> first time i've ever seen people there there was like probably 15 to 20 people there it's it's so nice. It's just it's rejuvenating. Like you you just walk around and you just get happy and excited. But it's, I, it's, it's no a perfect comment. time. <laughs> it's perfect timing. The moment the hockey, uh, the college hockey season ends, there's plenty of time to you know go outside and touch grass yeah. and you know enjoy the sun. Everybody's like, ah, oh, hockey college hockey season's over. Let's go outside now. Woo! And then NHL playoffs <laughs> start in like a week. So true. Which I'm very excited about. Which that. I don't have to watch because Blues are in it. And I don't think either of you guys have to watch that. To watch. True. <sighs> Playoff NHL hockey outside with a fireplace and a TV on. That's now that's that's springtime in Michigan right there. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah, now, now Phillips can. So, sounds like there are some weekend plans being made. Now, now Phillips has an excuse to cheer for Yanni Peretz for the first time in a, a long time. I know. Speaking of Yanni Peretz, uh, goaltender, former for QPAC, now national si- champion goaltender. Exactly. Yes. For QPAC currently uh signing with the carolina hurricanes so I, I i know who i'm i have a pretty good idea of who if i was in rod brendamore's place uh i would replace with yana Peretz, but we'll we'll see how that fleshes out he's been going on this anti freddie anderson diatribe for a while um diatribe that's what I've, i i want to search that word is that even, I, is that even the right i word? don't know i don't know what that means but i want to know a forceful and bitter verbal attack against someone or something i wouldn't yeah, call it forceful. Yeah, i wouldn't call it good i wouldn't call it necessarily forceful and bitter but Close i've been enough. critical of frederick anderson no Very that critical. that word fits for sure right, i don't know i just wanted to want an excuse to use the word diatribe no that was, that was good but uh if you guys don't know obviously yanni Peretz, uh the the qpac national champion congratulations to the the bobcats correct congratulations yeah. to the person that picked them to win the national championship yeah we got we okay so For, first time national championship quinnipiac yeah yes. which hearing about their program and that story I, i'm blanking on the head coach's name ran pecknold thank you but he's been there since oh, was it 1995 uh, they or said t- about 25 years so yeah it checks out yeah so this he started his, the school was d2 they moved to d1 in 1999 they've been to three 
title games, haven't lost a single one, and then this game, they're down 2-0 against, of course, Minnesota Golden Gophers, which I said for months and months, if they don't make the Final Four, it's a bust, If but I expect them to win, champ- or expect them to win championship, obviously didn't, but they're down 2-0 against the Golden Gophers. They're looking good, though. QPAC's looking good, and then they, they just battle back. They dominate the later half of the game, tie it up. It's like, it was, it was I, a crazy game. I think they dominated probably about the last 40 minutes of that game. Yeah. Because, like, even then, I forget how exactly who scored or at what point in the game it was, but I think it was the very first Minnesota goal was caused by like a Quinnipiac player basically like tripped over himself, turned the puck over. Minnesota oh, the, the other he, way. he fanned on the, the outlet what, pass. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I think Lee was his last name. Don't know his first. Yeah. So to name drop somebody who screwed up in the national championship, but their team. I don't even remember name. specifically who, uh, but like, you know, just complete mess up. Yeah. Uh, Turned a puck right over on the blue line, and then dude's getting right. Like, Ooh, that's not good. And then they they settled in eventually, and like, um, yeah, they ended up they ended up coming back and doing their thing. Yeah, um, I was. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I only watched about ten seconds of that game. But mm, it was the only ten seconds. What you ten need to watch. seconds did you watch? The, I wonder. It was the last ten seconds, or should I say, the first ten seconds of overtime. Mm-hmm. The first and last. <laughs> Because uh, if you guys don't know, QPAC was down with about five minutes to go. They pulled their goalie on a power play with about three three minutes, 58 seconds. I think that's the exact time they pulled him, which was bold. Oh, yeah. I was like, okay, in the national championship against, against Minnesota? Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's bold. But it paid off. They tie it up with about three and a half minutes to go. And then, yeah, in overtime, QPAC with a perfect win off a draw and a beautiful design set play. Springing, I, I forget his name, the goal scorer, but I believe that was Colin Graff. Um, that score, Colin Graff scored the one that they tied it. That what they tied. Colin it. Graff tied it. Yes. Yeah. And then and talking, Jacob, and then a Jacob. Jacob Quillen. Yeah, Jacob Quillen, game-winning goal, ten seconds into overtime. Q Pack goes crazy. Yeah. Minnesota goes home crying like a bunch of Golden Gophers. <laughs> Even though Minnesota, Golden Minnesota, Minnesota was going home. to Minnesota. Uh, that's no, that's what I was saying. Uh, I said that when when we were doing the. Uh, you know, predictions or whatever when we when we were filling out our brackets of like because I had I had this right I had uh, to toot my own horn here I had everything past the first round perfect pretty impressive uh, not gonna lie the only one the only games I got wrong were like the people that I had the that I had my Frozen Four teams beating mm-hmm. like I had I had Michigan beating M Tech I had Quinnipiac beating Harvard uh, that didn't work out uh, at all um, stuff like that but. Ohio State being Harvard, you mean? That didn't work yeah. out. But QPAC being Harvard worked well, yeah, out swimmingly. I, yes. Um, but, like, still. Yeah, uh, so I guess, I mean, I guess I, we'll, we'll update it. Yeah. So, so Sadly. We need to we need to talk about these pick'ems because uh, this is something. It's a travesty. Yeah, the, it really is. The pick'em so, race, oh, my. I, I just so I need tied to, every single week, I, so it I seemed need to, like. I need I, to update you all because it's, it's come to probably the most fitting ending I think we could think of. Very fitting. Um, I, I would have liked a better very, ending. Okay. Uh, shush. We're graduating this semester. You're not spoilers. Whoops. We'll get there eventually. That, that, <laughs> that's for the end of the episode. But you probably haven't done that already. Um, but no, no, so, we, could, we could we could update them right now. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. we're updating Pickums, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll just do it now. Crown a winner, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, entering the Pickum or entering in the, the tournament. Yes. Uh, Ryan started in the lead with 59 points because he was the only one to predict anybody of any of the conference <laughs> tournament winners. Yep. Um, Very comfortable lead going into it, but it was anybody's game predicting this tournament. Yeah. And so, for, remember, for the uh, correct totals and whatnot for point system for picking any of the first round winners was one point 
uh, forgetting any of the teams that made it to the Frozen Four is two, any team that made it to the finals is three, and then predicting the national champion was four. So Ryan ended up getting six out of the eight right. The only ones he didn't get are the ones that none of us got. They, he had Denver beating Cornell and Michigan Tech beating Penn State, neither of which happened. Um, he had Penn State to the Frozen Four, and then he had Minnesota Kentucky winning the title. Four. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, sorry. But then yeah, Minnesota winning title, which ooh, they they it had a close. great chance. That two zero lead in national championship. I want to go back and see how many times a two zero lead in the Natty has been blown. I don't know, but um, hey Siri, no. So <laughs> filling that out. So yeah, Ryan was in the lead with fifty nine. Uh, I was in second place with fifty five, and then Phillips was one point behind me with fifty four. Um, Keyword was. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Still is in third place, but um, oh yeah, true. So he was by one. Nah, <laughs> like, I'm not in third place. Out of three, yes. You I, you're, I mean, out of three, you're in last there's place. Three of I us. guess if you want to say something else. Yes. Uh, oh, wait, wait. You so, no, he's got a point. I he, do have a point. He is technically not in. Well, no, 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 no. You're, yeah, it's still third. It's still third. It's still third. third. It's still it's still third. third. Yeah. Uh, but Phillips is the only one. Or, so Phillips had Michigan winning the title. Um, and they ended up losing in the Frozen Four to Quinnipiac. Eric uh, Portillo lost to Quinnipiac. I mean, he wasn't very great that game either. But he wasn't very great all season. Now he gets to be besties with uh, with Cole Krieger on the Ontario Reign. He signed a, I think, a PTO with them or an ATO. I don't really know the difference. If Eric Portillo scratch or, may, or plays one game in the NHL, first off, it'll be because five goaltenders in front of him are injured. Second off, he's not making it. But if he does. I will. We're talking too much trash. I will. Portillo. You know, if if no, Eric it, Portillo starts ten games or more in next year's NHL season, I'm going to eat some good food for what's in my life. That's what's going to happen. I'm I, just going like to eat some a, good food. I feel okay. like that's it's not how not that's supposed happen. to work. But <laughs> no, it's not. I couldn't no. think of it. I'm, I was going to say but I'm going to eat a boot because I don't want to eat a boot. I think the phrase is eating crow, but whatever. Nah. Um. So yeah, still, uh, we're being a little, uh, you know mean to eric portillo here but whatever um still he, he did blow my bracket um mm. i mean so yeah he he didn't exactly do great in the frozen four but still uh then again he, he just ran into a wagon and that wagon being the quinnipiac bobcats um so i don't really you know mind it um but yeah so then all all in all though uh Adding up the entire totals, Ryan finished with 18 points out of those. Uh, no, yeah, 18 points out of his bracket. I got yeah. 22 out of mine for getting all but four points in it. Yeah. And then uh, Phillips ended up with 14. Uh, so it brings the total score to Phillips in third place with 68 points. Um, and then the the part. That everyone's been waiting for uh, crowning the official winner of the behind the mask pickums 2023. We're tied. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and I both somehow magically finished with 77 points on the dot. It, it, there was a tie every single week of the season. It felt like, it, and so it's fitting that it's, the, <laughs> it's a tie. Can we can we go tie tie goes to the one who predicted who predicted the natty? Nah, uh, nah, nah. nah we're sharing this. We're sharing this. Fine. Word. <laughs> well, so yeah, uh, your um, your behind the mask pickums is a joint title between uh, me and Ryan. Yes, uh, who both finished with seventy seven. Very fitting because, like I said, 
somebody was tied with somebody basically every, every single week of the season. And now it's ending that way. And <laughs> now both Jacob Stinson and I are graduating this semester. So it's kind of like a good farewell. You know, we'll we'll carry the title into the sunset together type thing. America's yeah. favorite segment, the BTM Pickums. Two winners, one loser. <laughs> the, only, Just, the only game show where more people like win Hunger than Games, us. man. Wait, 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 wait. Like I should. Get we a could have two here. winners. <laughs> yeah, next year you got to win it. You got to carry it out. Well, for the half year you're yeah. gonna be here, I guess. Get enough points in the first half that you'll just win. <laughs> Get everything Good luck. correct. <laughs> Mercy rule to seven, seven game parlays all season. Let me help <laughs> you. Every Don't week. pick Bemidji. There you go. <laughs> He's. You not know gonna that's not going to happen. <laughs> Dang. We roll with the beavers. Roll beeves. So yeah, very, very entertaining and fitting ending for the Behind the Mask Pickums. And uh, thanks everybody for following along. Hope you enjoyed as much as we did because that was a, a heck of a It was a heck of a season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think honestly, is it? Yeah, there's a lot too we can talk to for after this. Now, kind of officially wrapping up that season, but there's a couple questions I wanted to ask you all about the, just what we had watched with mm. that tournament. Because yeah. one of the big storylines that was coming out of it was just how dominant the Big Ten was, especially in that first round. Um, the closest game, if I'm correct, uh, in the big for a Big Ten team in the first round was a seven was eight to one. Harvard, I mean Ohio State beating Harvard. You're correct. And eight to one is the closest game of yeah, Big Ten team play in the first round. Yeah, because yeah, Michigan yeah, right. beat Colgate eleven to one. I think Minnesota Canisius was also nine to two. Yeah. And then uh what am I, what am I missing? Hence they beat M oh, Tech eight oh yeah. The biggest shutout win in NCAA tournament history. Yeah. So it was a good showing for the Big Ten. It was um, a bloodbath for the teams they played. Jesus yes. Christ. The only t- the only games that, you know, Big Ten teams played in and were close. Um, were the national championship game and the Michigan Penn State game. So, so I just added up all the goals Big Ten scored compared to their opponents in the first round. Thirty six goals in favor of the Big Ten, four against. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how dominant the Big Ten was. But they did even win it. Yeah. Because they match <laughs> they match against some finally good competition in the later rounds, of course. Golden Golden Gopher is going to Golden Gopher, man. Yeah, I said that. I'm telling you, I said that when we were making the those picks. Right there I, I had them losing too. I said it because of something Sklar said. Uh, you know, he said something because I saw him at like the bar like the weekend before we were making these picks or something like that. Because he was talking to me about the uh, about Minnesota losing in the Big Ten championship game, uh, and he used to say he said something along the lines of "Gopher's going to Gopher" or whatever, and I I took that to heart. In all all, fairness, the all-time saying. I had Minnesota losing in the championship too. In fact, I should get some. I should get some some makeup points for that. You no. still finished <laughs> last. No. Yeah. Then what does it matter? The, you exactly. You did not have Minnesota losing in the Big Ten championship. No, in the NCAA championship. Oh yeah, we all did then. Oh yeah. No. No. Ryan no, had Ryan, Ryan had them no, losing. Ryan had... But I, me, and you both had them losing in the championship. Ryan had Minnesota winning it all. We all had them in the championship, at least. Yeah. Everyone had them in the championship. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising, because I think going back in some of the earlier podcasts, I feel like you can hear a lot of us talk about how Minnesota was probably going to blow it in the Frozen Four, but uh, they didn't. Yeah. They, they waited blew it, they, they it waited. a game later. <laughs> the finals. Uh, but so the Ten question, though, I wanted later. to ask you all about that, though, um, just talking about how dominant the Big Ten was, uh, what do you think that, or well, I mean, we kind of already know what that says, I think, about the conference as a whole. We've kind of talked about that at that point. The real question, 
how well do you think reasonably MSU could have done in this tournament? I mean, it really depends on who they match up against in the first round. Obviously, yeah. they would have had a tough draw because they would have been probably the 15-16, so they would have been going against. I don't know how exactly they do, if it's a Big Ten matchup, do they try to avoid it or they, do they, they have to, rules they try that to avoid, actually avoid the, it? There are rules that, okay. or well, kind of. The committee tries to avoid, um, you know, f- conference, like interconference matchups in the first round when they can. So let's say it would have been MSU probably versus QPAC. It'd be either it'd be either QPAC or Denver, one of the two. Probably QPAC. So I I don't first think they're pulling. I don't think yeah, they do much I don't think they're pulling than... dubs out of those. But no, if uh, they faced a middle team in the first round, like a, a Merrimack, a Cornell, Minnesota State, I think they're I think they got a chance. I would I would on. even argue if they had what it took, like if they had the mentality and the momentum to get into the tournament last second, I feel like they could have taken someone like Denver. Yeah. No, no way they could have taken QPAC. No, no, yeah. no one, no one, did. especially seeing what they just did. But yeah, Denver was up and down all season, inconsistent. So yeah, I actually, yeah, yeah I back well, that up. Denver got first rounded by Cornell. Yeah, let's not forget. Yeah, it's true. And the team that I just mentioned as probably the, 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 the only bigger upset in this tournament than Penn State beating M Tech. That wasn't even an upset. Penn State was the two seed. No, I'm talking about like in that well, region. So it, in upset, behind the mask, pick upset to us. Yes, upsetting to us. Yes, yes. very upsetting. Because we all picked MTech and we all picked Denver. Got it. It would have been so cool to see MSU at least at least make the tournament. But yeah. hey, there's always next there year. There is always next and year. And there's always the whole Nightingale era. So there, There's always next year. And there is a lot of room next year. Oh, oh um, yeah. So one of the things, too, I think before we get into exact more specifics on MSU, um, there's some other things, too. I, kind of, I think I'm going kind of out of order on our list here. Yeah, whatever. But... Um, so I, you know, because we're we're always talking here about you know how first I think it's important to kind of set the the stage for what the Big Ten is going to be next year, because this this year's Big Ten was like uniquely loaded, yeah, um, compared to other years. Uh, I mean, and so I, I kind of made a little list of like you know who all is leaving the the weirdest one out of all of them, the one who I think is getting who has having like the most turnover. Ohio State, for some reason, is losing everybody. And that was, like, notable for them. Like, they're losing their top two defensemen. They're leading scorer. They're losing Dobash, who signed with Canadians. Um, oh, good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so they're losing They're losing a bunch. There's, I think there's at least five guys total that have signed and gone pro. Um, But still, like... Yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't even know. I did, um, and then at least from like you know Minnesota, Brock Faber and Matthew Nyes are gone already. I would assume Logan Cooley is probably at some point. Any word on Snuggerud? He's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, yeah, calm. he's coming back for another year. That's gonna just be perfect for MSU next year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, as much as I would, I'm sure that was myself <laughs> myself as a Blues fan, and you know. Everybody and myself, as an MSU student, uh, <laughs> you want to see him. I, I would very much prefer uh, Jimmy Snuggeru to not be on the Gophers next year. Hmm. But me fine. too, me too. It's fine. It'll be, it'll be good. Honestly, without taking a deep dive into what these teams are going to look like next year, I think it's. I'm going to use the word bloodbath again. I think it's going to be almost every team kind of on the same level, just exchanging punches, and that that was kind of like what it was this year. But I think Wisconsin's going to take a step up. I think Notre Dame is – I thought they were going to be a lot better this year. I think they have a chance to 
make a run at it, even though they don't have like top tier talent, but they just have a solid team and their goaltender is coming back. So yeah, they're bringing back Bischel. Their yeah. team is still solid. The only one I think they're still losing Ryder Rolston, but you know whatever, because um, I believe he signed with the with the Hawks. But um, isn't Nick Lieberman also graduating? I th- I don't remember. Dang, they are losing good. Good, they're losing like, some talent, chunk but players, yeah, yeah. Lo- I, I would, I would say and Lieberman Lieber- losing core of their offense and defense right there. Yeah, that's, not, that not is counting rough. Ryan Bischel. That's a rough blow. Yeah. But I mean, that that, year, that team pretty much was the Ryan Bischel show anyway, so it doesn't. I don't really know how much it affects them as uh, all in all. But the other note, the other news, I think we also need to talk about just briefly at least, um, if because even then, so I think first we'll start off with. You know what teams do you think are going to be a little, are going to be a little worse next year compared to last year? I I would say Penn State is probably top of my list of teams that are probably going to have a bit of a downhill trend in the Big Ten. Yeah, not necessarily because they're losing a whole lot of people, but I just feel like I don't know. I feel like uh, especially towards the end of the season, they kind of ran out of gas. They didn't have quite the best ending to the season. Obviously, made the tournament and everything, but. If you look at their performance, especially in conference, they were not the powerhouse. They kind of came out into the season as, and I feel like that momentum's kind of going to carry over. And I feel like Liam Soulier also not got exposed, but I feel like teams now know how to beat a goalie that plays that style. And Penn State obviously had a system that Big Ten teams adapted well to. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Um yeah, I don't know. My other team that I was going to mention was Ohio State. That's teams that I would expect to drop off. Makes sense. The, I listed five guys that signed pro deals um, in front of us. That's, you know, their top two defensemen in Laura and McWard. Uh, their leading scorer was Jacob w- or Jake Wise. There's starting goalie and Dobesh. Uh, and then they're losing another, like, six guys in the portal already um, who all were, like, Varying levels of contributors, the most notable one being Travis Trillor, who had 21 mm. points in 35 games, um, who's going to QPAC, ironically. Mm. Um, Oddly moving on up. Yes. The, um, but still, so that's, I think, the other one that I think is worth mentioning is Ohio State's, I think, is going to take a step back. Um, I, don't, I don't quite know if... I could, I could definitely see it happening for sure, but I just have this gut feeling that Ohio State is going to win the transfer portal. Not not necessarily beat out other teams, but I feel like their transfers in and their recruits in are going to keep them about where they're at. I'm looking at them right now, and they only have one player in the portal, or like that they you know have added from the portal, um, so far, which doesn't really wow me. Ironically enough, it's a guy that was rumored for a little bit to be coming to MSU, uh, that being Riley Hughes from Northeastern. Um, I don't. Know, I heard rumors of. of a potential MSU thing, Rumblings. but yeah, but nothing obviously official. Wait, but. right? It, did I hear you correct? Riley Hughes going to Ohio State? Yes. All right then. What about his brother? Uh, I'm not pretty sure he's going to go to portal. Okay. Not I've listed heard, on I've the heard portal. Some other things. Oh, took his I, name out, maybe. I, well, I mean, it's not listed. I'm looking at it just by sorted by team right now. Oh, okay. Um, Ohio State's. The only one, and the only player for Ohio State is Hughes. I'll give you some time to hope. Hopefully, this is on it. Can you see how many people are still? available in the transfer portal that have Over, not committed overall yeah it's a lot 
like I I don't have the time to go through and count. Okay, that. I didn't know if there was a. Uh, I'm not. I'm not making you count. I didn't know if there was a category that showed like 120 out of 360 you, have uh, committed. Ta- oh, Phillips, you're also asking about his brother. He is. Uh, I was not, gonna say not listed as anywhere yet. Okay. okay. I was gonna say there have been some rumors about where he's going. Uh, I'll leave it at I know him and his brother Riley are not a package deal anymore. That was a lot of what was mm. being tossed around when they entered. That is not the case anymore. And I th- you can see that. If, if Riley's going to Ohio State and Jack Hughes is not listed anywhere, mm-hmm. then they're obviously not going to... They're they're not both going to Ohio State. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, so there's that. Um, where are we at with this? <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, we're, no, oh, we're no, talking no, about transfers. Gonna, well, so the other thing I'll actually... No, this okay. is what I was getting at. Um, teams that are... All, that we think are actually going to be improving this next off season that maybe weren't uh, that would improve from their spot. The only one I really think I mainly, this is just a vehicle for me to mention this. Uh, Wisconsin just got a new coach. I, I was actually going to say the same thing. That's the Wisconsin's only, the go-to pick for that. Yes. They it, got a new coach and a good one. The one that I was originally uh, advocating for uh, last off season when MSU was looking for one because another NTDP coach was not uh, the Stinson top pick. Yes. Uh, uh, I've eaten a decent amount of crow on that one. Um, A take that didn't age very well for me. Um, I wrote a column last offseason about just, you know, who was going to be, who who I thought should have been the next coach for MSU. And I included Nightingale in there because I was like, oh, this is because this is the guy I had heard, uh, you know, like rumored the most is like most likely, I guess, easiest to land, whatever. And my whole thing with it was like, yeah, um, this is that's all well and good, but like, this is the that's the exact same program, uh, you know, coming from yeah. that, going down the same route as Danton Cole. Like, like, is it going to pay off? I was like, that, that that's the big question mark here is, do they really have the faith to not let that happen again? Yeah, yeah I guess they did. It worked out. Hopefully, Nightingale doesn't pull a Tucker. No, so I the well the thing is with that the because this is actually a thought that I had the other day that I kind of wanted to mention as well. Um, with the whole comparisons with Nightingale and Mel Tucker with the football team. Um, it's not like, you know, because keep in mind, Mel's first year was not good. Granted, it was COVID year. COVID year, yeah. You can write it off what you, whatever you want. Um, but, you know, a lot of MSU's success the year after was all pretty much based around Kenneth Walker. MSU did not have a Kenneth Walker this year. Um. The closest argument you could find was Dylan St. Cyr, I think, as far as finding a dude in the transfer portal that comes in and, you know, immediately carries your team or whatever. A lot of it was, you know, based off, you know, strength of the pack, depth scoring, things like that. Your best players, a lot of them were, you know, holdouts from the past regime that just had breakout years, i.e. Nico Mueller, i.e. Jagger Joshua, i.e. Cole Krieger. Um that's not how Mel Tucker had his success. No, yeah. a lot of it was just based around, you know, uh, transfers and whatnot. And, you know, you're also getting in these high-level recruits, but, like, at the same time, you're seeing existing improvement from, like, where you have that, I guess, you know, kind of sample size of what they were before Nettingale got there and what they were since he's been there. So, um, I'd also say that part is that i mean you can obviously see that there was a system that was put in place and you can tell it's going to be in place for a while yes with msu hockey it's not like it's a system that you know like you said is is not built around a a kenneth walker type player where okay 
all of our success, well, not all of the success, but like nine, a good 90% of it is going to be based around one player and we're going to adjust to that play style. Nightingale came in, put down, here's how we're going to play. Here's how I like, or here's what I like from each of my players. And we're going to run this. And when we run it, we're going to run it well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that worked out Yeah. when they were able to implement their system. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, what was I going to say about that? Um, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, I think just, yeah, it's also, I think in, uh, if you're talking about sports and like kind of comparing the two, it's also, I think a lot harder to win, you know, off the back of like one player for an entire season, uh, in hockey than it is for, you know, one player to carry an offense in football because, you know, your Kenneth Walker type player was out there on like 90 Eighty percent of plays, you know, at most one player, like your your star player or forward, especially, is going to be out there for like, you know, thirty minutes tops. No, if that, that's pushed. Thirty's like you. Thirty is like malpractice, player abuse. Yeah. Like, get the NCAA after you. Why are you playing him this much? Probably twenty five, twenty four. Twenty if... is like high end. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about teams that were able or weren't able to get carried to you know, success on the backs of one or more players. I mean, you case study Michigan and Minnesota. You have incredible lines on those teams and incredible players. You talk about like Adam Fantilli, Logan Cooley, Matthew Knights. Cubeback won the natty. Yeah, and they won that natty based off of a, you know, they had their high-end talent there, but that was a very well-rounded, well-coached team, top to bottom. Didn't really take penalties, had an elite defense, elite goalie, Fun all, fact. everything across the board. Fun fact, QPAC only took two penalties during that national championship. You know who took them? Uh, oh, Skylar Brindamore. Skylar Brindamore took <laughs> both. That's yeah. funny. I had to throw that out there. <laughs> uh, but, like, no, like, legitimately, though, part of the reasons I was, like, I really like Quinnipiac going to that tournament was they were just so, like, disciplined and, like, as a lot of those little things, too. Like, they had the, the least penalty minutes per game in the country um, and just and had a really good penalty kill. It's, it's things like that, you know, if you add it up together well-oiled machine that's a tangent what i'm saying but yes it's these well-oiled well-rounded teams that will get you far in in tournaments like this uh in in college hockey defense wins championships you know but so i think if you can get if you can have kind of the best of both worlds where you have your high-end talent like quinnipiac had with like colin graf and yanni peretz and whoever um but then surround it with good players and a good system that's what's going to get you titles um, and that's what, you know, I think is starting to be built here at MSU. I think it, it's, I think it's still going to be a while before we start, you know, tossing around the natty word more yeah. often, but like, you know, where I, I think, you know, this team next year, I think is pretty clearly making the tournament at least. I, I, think, I, th- I think it's making the tournament. I, I think, think it's going to be kind of same situations this year. Just like, really? yeah, I, I, I. I see the talent coming in, and obviously now it's not going to be 12 people transferring in. You know, it's not going to be something crazy like not 12 people, six people transferring in, six freshmen coming in. But I th- I just think the Big Ten is going to beat up on each other, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be the Pac-12 football all over again. It's it, Pac-12 football, if you guys don't know, they just beat up on each other, and they'll never make the college football playoffs because they do so. Most of the teams are like 9-3 and three at the end of the year. I think that's what's going to happen with the Big Ten, but... With college hockey, you got to look at it as the teams that beat up on each other. They're getting the good wins. They get in the top 16 of pair-wise. I just, I think MSU is going to be in the same situation outside looking in. 
and I don't really have too much analysis why. That's just kind of my gut feeling. But MSU does have a lot of good talent coming in. That's my, that's what's I, that's what's coming up. I'm my gonna, thing is you're dealing with a vastly sorry to cut you off, but you know, we're dealing with a vastly improved team just from a pure talent level. Because keep in mind when Nightingale got here last year, the cupboard was basically bare. Um, as far as you're dealing with, you know, a bunch of dudes in the portal, um, dudes transferring out. You're by the time he was hired, you were dealing with the scraps of the portal basically. Um, he the only people he ended up bringing in of his own recruiting was Dort, Muka, Sincere, I think. Those and Ryan Nolan, he half counts. Um, but so. Uh, you know, give him a full season. Now, you've got players that have another year in his system. Think of the development you're going to get from guys like Dor and Russell and these freshmen. Um, MSU should make the tournament. Next yes, year. I think yeah. if they don't make the tournament, it's, an utter, it's a complete disappointment. Mm. They were getting with the season that well, keep in mind what I just said about you know covered being bare and whatnot. At that point, they were still in terms of pairwise the first team out. Of the portal of the tournament, they ended up finished with a higher pairwise thing than Alaska did actually. Um, but no, so they ended up the first team out in terms of the portal with that. So if you're dealing with this vastly improved team, you're bringing in guys like Trey Augustine. You're bringing in guys like Red Savage. You're bringing in guys like Ike Howard. Ike Howard, exactly. So you're you're bringing in this house. This is a, and then you're also getting the development yeah, from Dor yeah. Russell. Basketball, those those guys, and then you're also adding in um, improvement from guys like you know you're get, you're getting a fifth year Nico Mueller of Huge. his season. Yeah, that's going to be insane. I think so. You're convincing me. No, they All they that should together, be. Yeah, that should be a be, tournament team. Yes, but no no Natty talk yet. That's no, that's going to no. be a Natty's while. still far fetched. Yeah. But this is this is going to be a very fun team to watch next year. I was going to say I was going to go the best of both worlds and say they're going to make one of the lower ranked seeds in the tournament because. I could see that. Yeah. It in in part of it is because I still feel like there will be issues because the Big Ten is just so stacked and Michigan State is such a well, I can't really say young program, but like it, it's a pretty fresh, like a, a relatively uh, this, fresh. This start. era is is very fresh compared yeah. to the rest of the Big Ten, except Wisconsin. And I mean, just in part of it also gets thrown off because the automatic conference winners get the bids, and of course the Atlantic has to throw people in there and. Even though they don't, there's, there's ten, don't there's ten bids, and you know two of them are at least going to like Minnesota and Michigan. Um, it's it's a tough road to get into one of those spots. Yes, so yeah. that's what I think Michigan State can do it next year. I think they can get one of those lower spots. Yeah, and depending on where they match up, who knows how far they'll go. But I think all they need to do to match expectations is just to get in, and it is. Absolutely unbelievable that went into this season, no talk of the tournament, no talk of getting past the first round of the Big Ten tournament, right. and now the expectation is they need they need to make the first round of the NCAA tournament next year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good expectation to set. Yeah, I think I think that's like the realistic. Like obviously, if you, if you ask the players, they're going to say like, "Oh, you know, it's titles or bust or win we want to we want to win every game on our schedule, whatever, whatever." But like I think, if you're you know being a little more objective, taking a step back, taking a step removed from that, I think, yeah, making the first round of the Big Ten tournament, I think, is a realistic goal to set for the team. First round of NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
getting in as like a three or four seed. I think yeah. it's gonna would work. And hey, you mentioned a couple names. They're gonna have a lot more help and a lot of good people coming yes. in from the transfer portal. We talked the last podcast. Sorry, it's been a while since we've had a pod. We were just kind of chilling, but we talked last podcast. Red Savage from Miami already transferred over, and Reed Lebster did as well. So a center and a right wing already transferred in. But we got some more to talk about. So heck, let's talk about the transfer portal bonanza. I guess we'll talk about Isaac Howard first. Let's talk about that guy. Oh, no, this is one I'm excited for. I, yeah, I was going to say, mo- probably the most exciting transfer Michigan State has this this offseason. If Twitter told me correctly, this, uh, I, Ike Howard will be the first first-round pick on an MSU roster since, like, 2004. Twitter's always right, too. So Of I, course. Yeah. So take Trust that for everything on Twitter. Yes. Yep. I, tr- I saw that. First uh, round draft pick by Tampa Bay Lightning in last year's NHL draft. Yes. Uh, spent last year at Minnesota Duluth. I don't think that the system was quite the fit he was looking for. Uh, so then reunited with uh, NTDP buddy Adam Nightingale. I don't know if they, they like directly ever coached or like Nightingale ever directly coached him at NTDP or if they were just like in the system at the same time. But, you know, there's still that connection there. Um, but yeah, so he's, I'm excited for that one. Um, I mean, you, you look at his page on websites like elite prospects. I just want to read off a couple of these quotes that they put out here. I mean, and, and this will get you excited for next season. If you haven't already been excited, granted, if you want to get hi- hi- hyped too, just go watch a highlight reel of this guy. Um, cause the highlights are electric and yes, I know if you watch any highlight reel, it's going to make make you think they're like the best player on the planet, but still, these guys' highlights are fun as hell to watch. Yeah, so some of the quotes are, he's a deceptive shooter changing the angle on goalies before ripping pucks home, or my favorite, an offensive dynamo, Howard has a natural instinct for scoring. Sweet. I mean, it, this this is someone that's coming to play for Michigan State? Think of putting him on a line with Nico Mueller. Natural instinct oh. for scoring? Natural instinct for scoring for, with a for natural an, I mean, instinct for as opposed assist, to assisting you know, people. Tell that someone like two years ago, like, oh, you get we're getting the uh, first round pick with a natural instinct for scoring or whatever um, from the f- franchise or from the program that had a reputation for trying to win every game one nothing or whatever. But I just think it's funny. I don't know. Eh, that's my own little rant. Yeah. So uh, to put it into more uh, mathematical terms, his, his stat lines from last year, he went 6-11-17 in 35 games with Duluth. But what I find even more impressive, he went 3-3-6 three, three, and six in seven games with the U-20s at the U.S. World Juniors, yeah. which is pretty impressive. I mean, almost point per game in the World Juniors. So. And when's the last time somebody from MSU has skated in the World Juniors? That's, well, that's about to have a, about to have a, a couple bit. of them. I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, because I mean, I don't because I don't. You don't count Trey Augustine or Red Savage, I guess. No, right? no, no. Because one that, was with NTDP and the other was with Miami at the time. So before I, before this year, yeah, I guess. I'd have yeah. To before this upcoming some, year, I'd have to do some research. Maybe that, Louis, actually. maybe Taro, maybe Cordarinko. I don't. I think I it know. actually is Kodrenko. Okay. I think that's actually the correct answer. That would make sense. I, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, I'd have to do some reach on that. But I I know for a fact, I believe Kodorenko, like played with, and I played on, you know, NTDP World Juniors at some point. But uh, I don't know. Another one that's transferred in on the list, though, from this state, from Northern Michigan, the right wing, Joey Larson, who played 36 games this year, got 13 goals, 14 assists, and 27 points. Welcome to the green and white, Joey Larson. And uh, 
He's gonna he's gonna be a maybe a little bit of offensive dynamo as well for the MSU Spartans. Yeah, uh, the weird thing about this too is like these are guys that are you know were freshmen last year and like the, Joey Larson was a freshman last year. Uh, he's coming in to MSU after this. He is about I think exactly set like one week older than I am, and like I'm graduating in a, like a month. How? Uh, well, because mainly because they go most people. People go off and play juniors. For yeah, okay. Before. So, but I just find it funny. Like, I don't know, just the age difference or whatever. Yeah, he's going into a sophomore year, and you're graduating this semester. <laughs> yeah, one week off. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Still, you know, he put up some really good numbers with Northern Michigan last year. Um, as a freshman, uh, thirteen goals, fourteen assists, um, in thirty six games. You know, pretty solid numbers. You know, I mean, there's not really much else that needs to be said. Put can put up points, young guy. There's that if that's the floor for him, getting some room for improvement, uh, and you know, time to develop within the the MSU system. Then you know, I'm cur- I'm curious to see where he goes. The um, key things, young and can produce. Yes, those two key things transferring over it it kind of lights up your eyes. That's kind of exciting. Like also okay, he's also a solid like sizable winger he's 6'1 184 or 194 i mean okay um so he's got a little bit of a um a little bit of size on him as well so you know balances things out and then the last transfer so far for the first defenseman i was wondering when this was going to come because there's a lot of gaps on defense left from uh, all the the seniors and the graduates leaving but it's uh james crossman defenseman from brown university uh, nine goals, surprisingly, kind of pulling a, a Cole Krieger stat here. Nine goals, three assists, 12 points in 29 games. So, James Crossman, welcome to the Michigan State Spartans. Yeah, he just, I guess, Crossman uh, is supposed to be the Cole Krieger replacement in terms of the <laughs> scores, a, go, like a lot of goals for a defenseman. Um, but, you know, um, still, just, you know, maybe not the best playmaker in the world, but I don't know. Sometimes you don't need it. One um, one thing that is kind of notable though about Crossman is you you talked about this a little bit with Joey Larson, but uh, Crossman's six three, two hundred one pounds. So that's another big boy. That's the same height as Cole Krieger. Yeah, <laughs> perfect replacement. You were, we're doing just the Cole Krieger clone. Also worth noting, I think this is the third year in a row where MSU's gotten in a fifth year transfer from Brown. Yep. Oh, third year. What was what was uh, Chris Berger? Ago. Berger. Oh, two years ago. Wow, it's uh, good memory. He, he came from Brown. I had I to look it up. From, okay, I was uh, gonna say I, I I don't remember where he came from. No, I, I'd look it up. But um, yeah, obviously, one thing yeah. to talk about there. Just one one year of eligibility left, so he's not going to be you know yeah. a cornerstone for MSU's. I think future, a lot but. of that though is like you know he's kind of one of those guys that can help fill in the gaps while yeah. you know mm-hmm. you're waiting for some of these other guys they have in the system already to come up, develop a little more. Um, yeah, because MSU's MSU's got some good-looking defensemen in the in the pipeline. It's just whether or not they, a lot of them aren't necessarily ready to come in this upcoming year, and that's exactly why they pick up someone like James Crossman. My favorite prospect in the portal right now for defensemen is uh, a guy named Jack Sparks, uh, just because he is massive. He's like six 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 seven, one of the two. Six seven, yeah, six seven two twenty nine. Imagine, Ooh. imagine that him. That's a two thousand three Exactly. Oh my god! Him, like the, the, <laughs> the, twin the defensive muscle line. The, t- the, the twin dude. towers line. Uh, granted, that line is not going to do well against like small fast forwards or whatever. Yeah. But 
No, but it's just be so funny to look at. And... I I don't think it'll happen. I if I bet it, it you would get spread out. Oh yeah, no, but... it, it wouldn't. In reality, it wouldn't work. But like, oh, it would be so Love funny. It. it would just be so funny to look at on the ice. Jack Sparks and Victor Herzig, if they both lay down on the ice with their stick out, they probably stretch across the whole entire rink. Good but like, holy crap! That, that I, I'm sure I'm sure Nightingale is going to make that a line, but that would be crazy to see. Put both of them in front of the crease and just brick wall, <laughs> triple pad stack between both the defensemen and. Augustine, who I'm presuming is now the number one goalie. Did we officially mention Pierce yeah. Charleston, by the way? We got, yeah, some breaking news. Let's break it oh, out of the yeah. pod. Yeah, yeah, it happened a couple hours ago. But yeah, Pierce Charleston, who has entered his name into the portal, which I'm actually quite intrigued. He played in one game yeah. last year I against he LIU. No, he, got, he played in two, but he started came in, in one. Yeah, right? He started one. And then he came in for relief of St. Cyr, I think, in one of the Ohio State games, maybe? It or was Minnesota a, or something. I, I thought don't it could have been the GLI. But I don't know. I just remember since he got pulled one game because he wasn't having a good game, and then yeah. he um... Charleston being the, the the backup, the B rotation goalie. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't play much this year. But I thought with obviously Dylan Saint Cyr, the starting goaltender of this season, Dylan Saint Cyr, he's gone. He's used all of his eligibility up at this point. I thought with that happening, Pierce Charleston with uh, Trey Augustine, little little goaltender fight there. I thought I thought Charleston was gonna was going to have a good shot of at least starting some non-conference games. It was going to be, I thought it was going to be a close battle, but I mean, yeah, he's entering his name in the portal. Obviously that doesn't mean he's gone, but that's one step towards him being gone. And it's kind of, kind of confusing, but eh. I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word confusing. Cause I, I very much understand the reasoning why, cause I, I, think, I guess surprise, surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll use that unexpected word at the moment. I didn't think he was actually going to do it. But what I think is important, though, uh, or like what this move, all this move really tells us for anything is uh, Trey Augustine is going to be the number one goalie next year. Augustine. Yeah. Augustine. I don't think it's ever Augustine. been, I think it's ever a question. Unless, you know, he's, Nightingale can somehow pull out like another Dylan St. Cyr out of the portal or something. Some random, like a random fifth year that somehow is actually really good. The odds that that happens two years in a row is very low. Uh, I think still, plus you've already got this, Augustine is. A very highly touted recruitment recruit. Um, he's like, I believe, if not the first, the second goalie off the board in the in the draft this year. Um, We're just crazy to have that talent coming to MSU. Just right, whew, that's awesome. But, like you're dealing with a very high end prospect here. Um, so, you know, I, you know, it's up to Nightingale, I guess. Uh, I think this just tells you, you know, he's going to want to put put him in the starters net um, from day one. So. That's gonna. That, I think that'll be interesting because you know goalies normally take a long time to develop, um, which is why you like rarely ever see freshman goalies start anywhere, unless um, they're just that good and you don't have somebody backing them up with that much talent. Yeah, because like which is gonna think, be MSU next year. The only from you know in my three years or whatever that I've been covering this team, I believe the only one that I've ever seen that has actually started as a freshman. Was Jakub Dobesh. Yeah. That's uh, that's was, the only one that comes to my mind. He was a third, There's probably, he was a third rounder. Probably another one we're blanking out, but yeah. Not that I know of. I don't know. Because let me think. Portillo was like a senior or whatever last year, I think. No, he was a sophomore last year. But he's only he started I think he started his first season as a sophomore. Um and then yeah, I don't know. Yeah, usually you don't see it, but the way yeah, 
if Charleston transfers, it's going to be the Augustine show. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think Nightingale is going to pull a goalie like Dylan St. Sears caliber. This it's not late in the transfer portal. Yeah, it's still, but I don't still think very active, pull. but there's still, yeah. there's still a lot of options out there. Like there, I will say there is another option aside from pulling a transfer goalie. There is still, MSU does have one other goalie on the pipeline, Luca DePasquo. Mm, but the one thing that I've seen, it, it and when you think about it, it really doesn't make sense to have him to, and Augustine come up in the same Yeah, season. Yeah, it's especially when you're so confident in Augustine's abilities. And you're confident that in this situation that DePasco will be the backup. Yeah. So. yeah. so while, you know, a fifth-year transfer, some journeyman goalie is probably the way it's going to go, figured might as well just... There is the off chance it happens, but it's highly unlikely. Yeah, and there's right still now... some starter, starting caliber goalies out here um, in the portal. Still, like I was looking through it earlier, you had, um, ironically enough, I believe the starting goalies for both UMass and Clarkson, which are the two schools that you know had mm, got some MSU, ties. Jared DeMichael, yeah, the MSU's assistants have connections to. Okay. Um, I believe are still up in the air. Who's the UMass goalie? Oh, look, let me look it up real quick. Because that's know. that's definitely a name to uh, keep your eye on there. But it, the thing is, it, well, it's okay. You're transferring from another school as a starting yeah, goaltender. He's still, un- he's still uncommitted. Actually, I lied. It wasn't the starter. Um, okay, but he's a he was a junior last year. Um. Had a nine two one save percentage for him in eight games. Um, name was Henry Graham. Okay, if you're a good goaltender in the transfer portal, MSU has to spark your interest. You see the goaltender situation. If Charleston does transfer away, it's a freshman in Trey Augustine, and then John Moore, who you no, know no, third string sad. goalie, typical third string college goalie. If you're a goalie in the transfer portal, you are licking your lips at this opportunity to start for Michigan State, especially with the momentum they got off this past season. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a it's a good landing point, good destination for goalies, and I'm I'm interested to see what he pulls. Yeah, I'm really curious too, because I think what Clarkson was one that they landed the starter from. But there's also there's a good amount of like like I think Graham is actually is legitimately someone to worry about or like not worry about, but like look after. But it depends on what he's actually going to be getting like, out of this portal or like what he's looking for if he's trying to be the starter somewhere. Um, or if he wants to, you know, go be back up at MSU, depends on him. What I could see happening is, although this wasn't the Nightingale system that we saw this past season, a good enough goalie could transfer in to warrant a full-on AB rotation, especially with Augustine being a freshman and having to get accustomed to college play. Especially, I mean, you're talking about throwing a freshman into the Big Ten as a goaltender. Yeah, good you luck. Gotta, good luck be good. preserving your stats. So I could see Nightingale really taking a goalie transfer and rotating him in, rotating him in much more than Pierce Charleston got behind Dylan Saint Cyr. Because yeah. Saint Cyr had already played Big Ten, he'd already played high caliber hockey as a goaltender. Also played at Quinnipiac. Exactly. Yeah. And if he stayed an extra year, he would have been national championship. But I, I think he's pretty happy he came here. Not gonna lie. Yeah. yeah. Got a. A lot of ice time out of it, that's for sure. <laughs> got yeah. more than he would have backing up Peretz. Yep. But, uh, you know, a good enough goalie like from UMass could potentially warrant an A-B rotation. And especially if Augustine, I'm not saying that this is likely at all, but saying if Augustine does have some kind of drop-off in the transition into college, which is not unreasonable, they, not unexpected. Very likely. could ha- It could happen easily. That whoever is transferred in could end up being the A goalie for a good chunk of the season. 
So, you know, it, any uh, goalies in the transfer portal listening? <laughs> hey, hey. What's up? Uh, <laughs> Michigan Hi. State, not a bad option. No, definitely not. Hey, Michigan State here. What's going on? Um, yeah, I mean. I don't so know. Yeah, it, to, yeah, I'm just I'm very curious what they do on that though. That's, that's going to be. It's interesting. a very interesting, especially because this is pretty late in all the transfer buzz too. I think yeah. that kind of throws a wrench in. Yeah, the it. dust it kinda is kind of settled. Now. The initial like frenzy, I think, of it is kind of settled. But there's still a lot of names out there. Yeah, there's still a lot of a uh, lot of dust still to settle, even though the initial kick up has settled. I think there's a decent amount though too, where it's like you know a lot of the guys enter the portal kind of already knowing where they're going. Some tampering going on, maybe I don't know. Uh, there's there's some Ooh. names that investigative journalist yeah. Jacob Stinson get behind tampering in college hockey. Some mm. some, some players complete, that announced transfer. Let's name drop. <laughs> Let's make this I, pod go I'm viral. I'm completely <laughs> making things up. I'm but what I do know <laughs> you're, is wait, you're completely. Making it. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm not. I have nothing to substantiate that. What I'm saying though mm, is sure that's what you want people to. No, I'm kidding. I legitimately don't. <laughs> uh, what I'm saying, though, aside the only the closest thing I have to substantiating it is just you know how you can see this happen a, a decent amount of time where someone will enter the transfer portal and know and like already officially commit like, somewhere yeah. within like the same day or something or whatever or like within a day. But so which is crazy because for me to pick my college, I spent months, and I'm not even a sports recruit. Really like didn't. I I I looked uh, at every you know different broadcasting and journalism school so it took me a while but yeah these kids could just go like okay i'm just i'm just gonna go here now with the rest of my education I mean, and like, sports I, career i think like, though it's like it's you so know quick. people kind of well what i mean is like i think these people already have some contact with you know their coaches and stuff like for example some guys like from umass for example or clarkson they would already have the contacts of you know jared michael or mike towns already there and you know maybe they're talking with them about in you know selling them on msu and like maybe trying to convince them to transfer and they do. Yeah, so that's kind of my thought process at least. And speaking of some more transfers, obviously there's been more people to enter the name in the portal for MSU other than P- Pierce Charleston. In the last pod, it was Jesse Tucker who officially committed to Clarkson and Zach Dubinsky who officially committed to Vermont. Uh, Kyle Haskins, he was in the portal but didn't have a, a destination yet. He landed in Canisius. So Roll Griffs. There you go. So, and then uh, AJ Hodges as well, somebody who was not in the portal last pod, I do not think. I don't think so. No. I don't think so. That was he, pretty recent. Yeah, he entered his name and he landed at Bentley. So, if you notice a trend, all Sadly, all they of don't these... give you a call, the, 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 an actual Bentley when you go there. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> they, they, I don't know the hard way. The NIL did not give him a Bentley car. <laughs> but uh, you see a trend. Clarkson, Vermont, Canisius, Bentley. These players know that they're not going to get a lot of play well, time I mean, at yeah, MSU and they're transferring kind of a, away to schools kind of, that they can. Yeah, that's kind of been the general sentiment too, I think with it. Um, I think, you know, I feel like Nightingale at some point kind of lets them know, like, you know, with the way this team is going, you know, some of these guys, a because a lot of them weren't, the only one that legitimately got, would get consistent ice time were Tucker and Dubinsky. Um, and even this. then towards the end, Jesse Tucker really didn't get consistent ice time. Yeah, and even then, like, yeah, Tucker wasn't getting consistent ice time and Dubinsky just didn't put up numbers really and I think so he would probably be one of like the first guys you'd put on the bench when you're bringing in guys like Red Savage and Ike Howard and you know whoever else you bring in as freshmen um, this is kind of the double edged sword of the transfer portal because you have players like Isaac Howard that are coming from schools that like they're moving up I would say into a program yeah. that's at a a higher level and then you also have players that 
are able to realize they're not going to get ice time and can move to a program a little bit lower, but also have the chance to be stars on these lower teams. So right. kind of everybody wins in this in these situations. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of the beauty of the transfer portal, I guess, is, you know, a lot of it kind of filters out. Like, you know, some people that everyone kind of gets the pieces they need from this. Um, and speaking of two more pieces in the portal right now, no landing destinations yet, but I'm assuming they will. Powell Connor, defender, and then Ryan Nolan forward. So two other names that will... I'm assuming are going to transfer out. Yeah, I mean, like neither, neither of them, you know, really got ice time or whatever. So there's not really a, there isn't much else to say. Um, no. They played in a combined nine games between the two of them. No points, right? Um, Powell Connor had an assist. Oh, there you go. It. Okay, good job, Powell. Well, yep. Those that's a that's a transfer portal update. We're going all over the place, obviously, but uh, that's who's committed to MSU. And that's who's leaving MSU most likely. Obviously, they could pull their name out of the transfer portal and come back. But it seems likely that Pierce Charleston, Powell Connor, Ryan Nolan will. We'll see what happens with Charleston, though. Charleston's a little bit of a, an asterisk there. We'll see. But um, you want to get into some recruiting talk? Well, sure. Why not? We can go, we can go some. Cool yeah, we, we've time. been talking about it. Obviously, next year's on the slate. Everybody's got their mind paid attention to that. The offseason will take a while. But... We got some recruits to talk about. The first one to talk about, we've mentioned his name at least 27 times this podcast. That's an exaggeration. But Trey Augustine, the goaltender from uh, USNTDP, he's put together a heck of a season. And this is something that MSU hasn't hasn't been said with MSU in a while. Ranked 51 on elite prospects, and he's committed to MSU. I think he's the highest ranked goalie. In the yeah. pipeline currently? Yeah, it depends on where you look for like sources and stuff, but I see him pretty much across the board listed as the first or second goalie off the board in the draft this year. And these guys that we're talking about, these guys have signed their national letter of intent, so they are 100% go- coming to MSU. They can't back out now. So there's a lot of guys that haven't signed the NLIs. I don't, I don't know if we're going to get to them today, but these guys are 100% in the MSU pipeline coming to MSU in a year or two. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you've got him. And then the other person also, um, I think also it's worth mentioning from the World Juniors. I'm just going to briefly bring it up because we don't fully, I don't think, know the situation. I've been told by some sources I have, you know, close to the team and whatnot, that he's already signed as NLI. I've been told, or, but I don't see like other sources and stuff corroborating it. So take it for what you will. But um, I haven't seen it officially announced and whatnot um, on like socials. But uh, Maxim Sturbach, uh, who played with defense for Slovakia in the World Juniors, um, also a projected f- pick within the first two rounds of the draft, is also uh, might have signed his NLI. You know, I don't still don't know what that situation is, um, but him too, another good defensively sound defenseman, um, who I think, w- presuming he comes here, uh, will make a really nice impact next year. I mean, Augustine and Sturbach, if you follow Michigan State Hockey on Twitter or I don't I don't know quite as much on Instagram, but definitely on Twitter, um there have been some highlight videos of them posted for sure. Right. Uh, they and are from some... what from my conversations with, you know, sources close to the team, the whole point was basically, yeah, they only, you know, will tweet about players that have all like recruits if they've already signed their NLIs and stuff. But... Yeah. It they're some high level names, just Augustine and Sturbach alone, so Yeah. And, and those have been, I know, like some of those highlight videos have been posted for quite some time. So, but I, I think they post them like during the World Juniors. Yeah. So, 
I don't know, but it's for whatever reason it's not like you know corroborated on, on like in the media or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. You heard it here on Behind the Mask. We're breaking. Yes, here. you heard We're it. We're breaking here the first. news here. Uh, I am Adam Schefter. I am. <laughs> Uh, Woj, Woj. I am. I, what is Wo- Wojnarowski? Uh, Wojnarowski. Yeah. Wojnarowski, yeah. Unfortunately, there's no Wojnarowski in the college hockey world. Yeah, you got your- Not you, college hockey. I don't say college hockey, maybe. Stintzbaum. No. Yeah. I'm a, Stintzbaum. And there we I go. I like that. I like yeah, it. Be a college hockey insider. <laughs> you, start, you heard it here first on Behind the Mask. Putting, oh, yeah. putting that hashtag Stintzbaum on all your tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Does Woj do that? I don't know. Woj I don't think so. I think ESPN just says Woj Bob time yeah, and probably. they just roll with it. Probably. That's ESPN though. Uh, some other some other recruits who have signed their NLIs that we'll, we'll talk about briefly. Austin Orovitz, uh defenseman playing with the Green Bay Gamblers, who's played 57 games so far, five goals, 15 assists, 20 points. Uh, Owen Baker, right wing on the Blackhawks, right? Not on, on the Waterloo, yeah, Waterloo Blackhawks. Waterloo, there we go. Yeah, Waterloo. Uh, 58 games played this season with 11 goals, 28 assists, and 39 points in all. Uh, Justin Varner as well, left wing, currently with Youngstown Phantoms. He's played 52 games so far, 11 goals, 13 assists, and 24 points. Uh, Patrick Geary, defenseman, so another defenseman that MSU desperately needs going into next year. Uh, playing for the Waterloo Blackhawks as well, 56 games, only 3 goals, 10 points, thir- or 3 goals, 10 assists, rather. 13 points, and then rounding out the list, Gavin O'Connell, a right wing, also playing for the Waterloo Blackhawks. So a lot of a lot of Blackhawks, uh, USHL talent coming to MSU. 55 games, 21 goals, 25 assists, and 46 points. So those are those are the people that are 100% officially coming to MSU, sign their NLIs. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I think it was Baker and O'Connell ended up signing their NLIs like, on the same day because uh, they were, yeah, because they both signed up with Waterloo or whatever. Um, but O'Connell, I think until like the very day that he signed his NLI was a commit to Minnesota Duluth and then kind of flipped out of nowhere and was already signed. Um, so I have no idea how he pulled out Nightingale pulled that one off, but that, that's it's, not the first a, time Nightingale's pulled off a decommit recruit instantly, just like that last second. Yeah, I mean, he did <clears> Trey Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, if you guys don't know, by the way, that one's more fun for uh, MSU fans because he was committed to Michigan. Yeah. Before. And decommitted Michigan, and in a week committed to Michigan State. So that was like, whoa, okay, but like that's that's big. Yeah, Michi- Michigan lost their their uh, planned replacement for Portillo, and Michigan State got their replacement for Dylan Saint Cyr. Well, yeah, at that point, I don't even know who they were supposed to replace because I don't even think Saint Cyr was committed at that point. But and still, col- college hockey recruitment—it's crazy. It's a weird also, world out there, man. Also, I want to bring up Michigan officially naming. Brandon Narado as their head coach. What do you guys think about that? Um, I mean, I don't know who they would have gotten that was better. Um, I don't know. It's it's very it's interesting because it's very you know much a very like opposite hire as far as like personalities go from someone like Nightingale because you know it's kind of almost a running joke with us, but like we we talk about how you know Nightingale's persona he is very like matter of fact like oh, not really much of a jokester in the media whatever. Um, kind of very much tells it like it is focuses on like these little like process kind of things uh, from everything every interview I've watched press conference I've been to with Narado in it um, it's kind of always the opposite he he kind of likes to play up play up a little more to, I don't know he's younger I get I think but like he's a younger guy but I don't know it's just very much a, it's it's a very different uh, like coaching philosophy from what I've seen from like anybody else um, 
So I don't know. It that's it's, that's its own thing. I think is like a personality in the locker room. But I mean, all that aside, though, I mean, you can't argue with the results. A frozen Ford ship a trip in your first season and a Big Ten title as interim coach. Yeah, too. as interim. Because mm. I think was it he was named. They announced that they were giving him. It was it's a five year contract. Did they announce it after Michigan had been eliminated? I think they actually announced it like they announced right before it, the I Minnesota think, game. I think they announced it right before they. I remember thinking it was pretty bad timing because it was right before Michigan played Minnesota. Well, no, it was right before they Michigan never played, but not not for the Big Ten title. I no, think no, no, they, no. In I the think tournament. it was after they they never played Minnesota in the tournament. You're thinking, uh, no, uh, Quinnipiac. That was it. I think it was right before the QPAC game. Yeah, I think it was, was right. It. Yeah, it was in I that like that two it. week span between the end of the between the first two rounds and the Frozen Four starting. Because, and I remember it was during the NCAA tournament because they announced we're going to give him a five year contract. But we have to wait until he gets back from Tampa to finalize the details and how much he's going to get paid. So that was a little bit weird. Was announcing we're going to give him five year contract. Why, why not but just wait till the end of the season? The se- yeah. Especially signed. Especially seeing how Michigan got treated by QPAC in that game could have given the University of Michigan a little bit more uh, leverage in those contract negotiations that. I don't think are quite finished. I don't know if they've announced fully his contract or finalized his contract details. You know, it's it's still done. They can't go back like they're giving him a five year contract, but I don't think, as far as I've seen, the money hasn't been set yet. Interesting, but uh, a bit of a weird situation from uh, just down the road, yeah. to say the least. Uh, so I don't know. I he fits as as total opposite to Mel Pearson. He is. I think he fits the Michigan head coach hockey mold of just kind of being just belligerent with whatever he thinks, just saying saying his mind, not holding back, which I respect. I respect guys like that. But at the same time, it's like, is that really the guy you want? You know, giving off the persona of Michigan hockey, bringing in guys like Adam Fantilli, who have known to have egos and other top tier talent that, you and, and know, I like to show off. Hockey. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I think the personality fits from from all the interviews I watch with players and like post game pressers and everything else. I think the personalities kind of match up. So uh, I'm not opposed to it from that regard. I think you know it's just a different style. I think more than anything. What's really interesting uh, though is uh, like with his more uh, I'll say expressive demeanor. I want to say Michigan fans weren't really sold on that hire especially towards the end of the season because I feel like if I, from what I heard Michigan fans wanted him to play the team more aggressively because he kind of played the if you go back and look he kind of played them a bit uh I don't know if conservative is the right word but there were definitely times where I felt like Michigan was definitely restrained far more than they could have it wasn't like Minnesota where it was just Minnesota's just gonna run out and roll whoever they're facing Michigan definitely had moments where it felt like Narado wasn't playing them to the talent they definitely had. I mean, you talk about Luke Hughes and Adam Fantilli and a bunch of other names, and you still kind of wound up like, I mean, Michigan State beat Michigan, and Michigan has a ton of stacked talent. So I know all, all that just to say that Michigan fans are not quite sold on the Narado hire, but I have a feeling it'll somehow work out within a year or two. So. I think there's a lot of it too. You can, you know, you don't even necessarily have to be tactical wondermind, whatever, um, for the job as much as you need to be uh, just like a uniting personality. 
when you deal because as far as recruiting goes, you don't really I don't think need for that job specifically to be like, yeah, you know, the Bill Belichick or type coach of amazing with the schemes and the X's and O's parts, but like the, you know, very much a matter of fact, not a great media personality. Um, but cause when you're dealing with the, that kind of talent that the university of Michigan has, you're going to keep getting that talent just from having that block M, um, and having that reputation. Like, I think you're going to be fine regardless. Um, I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it. At least is like, the most important thing I think is just being that personality that can kind of rally the team when, when they need it more than anything. And the, the talent that you can get from being a Michigan coach and from just being the university of Michigan, we'll kind of do the rest for you. At this point, I think, and I'm not bringing my MSU bias into this at all. I think the safer hire after a season with both at basically ask the head coach, I'm going with Nightingale as a safer hire between the two. I think there's. I would agree. I, I, I would, if I were starting a team, I think I'd, I'd prefer Nightingale for that. But mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. We'll see it, how it works out. I agree, but based on, I mean, you, you, I think you put it right. If, if you're starting a team, or trying to build a team more from the ground up, Nightingale is a safer hire. He's already proven in terms of player development and in terms of developing systems. But for Michigan, where they already have solid recruiting. And a pretty solid system. I wouldn't even say solid. It's like the best, I think, top top five year in year out. Yes, Michigan recruiting is like Hershey advertising. You you really don't need to do much work. Like everybody knows. So, Narado, I feel like is a good hire for them because you don't need someone that has to come in and completely overhaul the recruiting and the culture. Yeah, but, and was an assistant under Pearson, so he knows yeah. how yeah, he knows he, the, plays, he knows carries it over. Yeah. yeah, so it it's a hire that makes sense. It does. So plus, I realistically, if they decided, oh, we're going to go in another direction or whatever, which you know already sounds bad after the dude takes you to a Frozen Four in the first season and a Big Ten title, um, but like realistically, who are you going to get that's better? Yeah. And uh, Appar- question, aside from apparently Mike Hastings, the question mark I have though is how much of that was his coaching bringing them to the Final Four, or just carrying off that talent? That's that's what I don't know, and that's what I want to know. I and think that, that'll kind of figure itself out as time goes on. That's True. what he have. That's what he has five years to prove. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think that's enough Michigan hockey talk on this Michigan State podcast. But yeah, uh, but I mean we we've done a decent amount of talking around just like around the Big Ten. I guess. Of, oh yeah, we, we talked about. There's but a lot, definitely too much Michigan talk. There's a lot of you know. There's a lot of movement around the Big Ten. I think it's a you got to you got to know the competition going into next year. Oh yeah, and next year's gonna be very. Inter- I I wish I wish I had another year at MS, yeah. MSU just because I was making a joke. My, ah. I was like make a joke. My last year is like the one year they're actually like decent and like the hey. fun part comes next year. At least we got this year though. We did get at this least year. at least we didn't go out with a COVID year or a 13 game losing streak snapped at the end. That's MSU hockey is going in a right direction. There's light at the end of the tunnel and Adam Nightingale and company will lead the Spartans to something special. We're ending on a good note at least. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's, Be- that's... better than better than you would have hoped coming into this season Oh yeah. Sure. Oh yeah, but beat expectations by far. And almost made the heckin' tournament, which would have been crazy in the first year. Mm-hmm. So close. Once okay. well, not one spot, technically what, literally three? one spot out. Well, with the auto bids and so what. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. So that's that's gonna wrap. Are we 
are we? Do you want to like call it wraps for this season, th- or you want to leave room for just in case pod if some we crazy can stuff we happens? can try for like an emergency pod. I think if we yeah. if something big happens, but like I I we'll, think we're we'll gonna kind of we could say goodbyes. Yeah, yeah, but I think for the, <laughs> there's a chance it's probably the last episode. Um, yeah. unless something like crazy happens, we might, we want to do an emergency pod to talk about it. But yeah, I mean, I think this might be it. Yeah. Well, uh, well, we'll we'll, we'll recap real quick. Thanks for everybody for watching this season of Behind the Mask. If this is the last episode or not, congratulations to the winners of the Behind the Mask Pickums, Jacob Simpson and yours truly. I uh, thank you guys so much for listening to us. If you listen to an episode for ten minutes, a whole episode, most of the episodes, you're crazy. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. Uh, Jacob Simpson and I are going to be graduating, moving on to different careers and stuff. So if you guys want to, you know, keep following our twitters and. And follow along our journey. We would appreciate that. I guess we'll give one more shout out to our Twitters. Mine's at Ryan Radosevich. Don't worry, I'll spell that out for you. At R-Y-A-N-R-A-D-O-S-E-V-I-C-H. I'll be I'll be doing something sometime soon. And uh, what you guys got? Um, I mean, yeah, it's just been like a crazy ride. I mean, this is, yeah, we've been covering this team for three years now. It's probably been the most interesting uh, th- three years you could have asked for. not been a normal three years no the first <laughs> yeah. year was in a pandemic i remember fi- filming the very first uh behind the mask ever for me was uh, in uh i was taping it my my part of it over zoom in a frat house bedroom on some really bad Wi-Fi, I remember, and that. I was stuttering for like half the time. Anyways, it wasn't even the connection. Like I legitimately just didn't know what to say. Um, <laughs> Do I remember being nervous for the first pod? I miss feeling nervous for a pod. Yeah, that's something, right? But there. like you know, and then the eventual going to games, watching Cole Caulfield, uh, you know, violate Michigan State at one that one time. To Violates secure, a nice word. It, that, that is what happened. <laughs> Uh, to secure the, I think it was the Big Ten regular season title, was what we had watched. Oh yeah, yep. Um, in a empty arena with no nobody in it. There were cardboard cutouts. Yeah, still not people. Weird. Yeah, it, it was weird. a thing. It was that was a thing that happened. Uh, and then you know, then there was last year where again there was fairly empty arenas, but that was just because no one wanted to come because the team had lost thirteen in a row, and you know why? Why do you want to watch that? Um. And then, yeah, now I got this year where it's like, oh, things are finally on the up and up um, with the program. Um, I mean, yeah. And yeah, the amount of like, I guess, ups and downs of that whole season as a uh, just it was insane. It's it's been it's been just such a ride through these past few years. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else I really realistically could have asked for um, aside from the. You know, from what we had, a championship. Or, or no. <laughs> you, you said realistically. Or sorry, realistically. No, miss that word. Or I guess no pandemic. That would have kind of that would have been nice. That, yeah, yeah, but still, been uh, it, it's been a really it's been a really fun three years. I've definitely learned a lot. Got to meet a lot of cool people. Got to go to a lot of cool, experience a lot of cool things, a lot of places. Um, I think I don't even know what would be my favorite. What, Favorite experience. Oh yeah, let's I let's had. pick a fave moment. Yeah, favorite moment from our years covering the team. Um, uh, I don't know because part of me is still saying this could be recency bias. Duel in the D 
uh, this past year, which is probably just the best game period yep. of college hockey that I watched. Even though it didn't go in MSU's favor. Actually, ooh, that whole Michigan series last year, that second Michigan series was just, even though they lost both games, was still just hilariously electric. Because uh, that the game before that was the you know Fantilli getting tossed, uh, and some along with Neenhouse, um, just everything you know breaking it up. Um, the madness at Mun. Yeah, we should have coined it that when it happened. Pretty Dang. much all the Michigan games. You know what? We're coining de- it now. Yeah, the Michigan games were always de- uh, memorable because uh, I'm even like last year. I uh, I still have a fond memory of writing uh, just a really long article, kind of just ripping the team apart. Um, after the season had ended, and they had that blowout loss to Michigan, where it was like eight nothing after the second period, and I was writing it in the Detroit airport on the uh, right before my flight to Fort Lauderdale for spring break, um, just ripping the team apart of like doing trying to do like breakdowns of like this this is who messed up here on this goal, it didn't did that like eight times. Um, it was interesting. I don't know. There's a lot of experiences. Um, so I don't even know. It's, it's all, it's all nuts. I, yeah, I might, I, I might just go duel in the D just for the hell of it. My favorite moment, definitely that duel in the D game, being able to cover a game at LCA is just absolutely crazy. Yeah. It was, like, mo- it was more fun the second time around than the first time around. Yes. First time around, uh, was seven, three, I think second time yeah. around Michigan wins it with, Point six seconds. Oh my god, it's crazy finish. It was a crazy game. But for me, I I would go do doing the D. But I'll switch it up. I got to cover Michigan State going to Notre Dame in the first round of the Big Ten tournament this year. That was awesome. Seeing them lose game one, one zero. Bischel stood on his head, and then them bounce back, win two in a row, get to the next round, and have a chance against Minnesota. It was it was great. There were there were so many Spartan fans for game two and game three. It was it, just being in that arena was awesome. So the opportunities that I've been able to to capture with covering MSU hockey over the past three years has been absolutely spectacular. Thanks to all the people that have helped me out, all the people that I've met. It's I haven't met a bad person covering MSU hockey in all these years. So it's it's been it's been really fun. And I know you got you still got an extra semester, but we're I'm yeah. putting you on the clock. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got some more time here, so I'm kind of lucky. But I'm I'm kind of new to this this is my first year covering michigan state hockey uh really i mean this is your first season really following hockey in general you gotta, fully. You gotta yeah, carry the I mean, fully like that because i mean you think i grew up in a place li- literally in probably the five cities in my area there are two hockey rinks as a, yeah and like two yeah they're like not counting the like the echl rink yeah uh so i mean I didn't know a thing about hockey before I came to Michigan State, and it's one of the first sports that I went to, and I really am glad. Even though at that point it was 2019, 2020 Michigan State, you're talking about John Lethman in goal. So, I mean, all right season. Uh, but I don't think I have actually felt as much a, like as a true sports reporter, and I don't think I've actually fulfilled that role until covering hockey this year. I mean – just thinking, I remember as terrible as the situation was when everything with Jagger Joshua and Ohio State had started to come down the the wire. Mm-hmm. I remember I was flying home, and I had actually gotten i'd I'd gotten back to the Norfolk International Airport in Virginia, and I see 
that it was that was when Camille Sedlocha had been removed from Ohio State's roster indefinitely. At that point, we had no idea. And I, that was like 11.30 at night. And I just, you know, text everyone. I'm like, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll get something out. I'll get an update out. And I remember sitting at midnight typing up a short update piece. And it was the first time I'd ever really covered a sport beyond just games. It was like this team, there were things going on with this team that needed to be covered. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, things that were bigger than just, you know, hockey. Yeah. Sports. And it was like, we had, cause I remember talking in the halls of the, the Com arts building, like, okay, how are we going to take care of this situation? How are we going to treat these? It was a really eye opening experience in terms of reporting. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like a first real taste of true sports reporting. I think even then my, the column I ended up writing about that because I remember because I was on the airport too because I was going home for Thanksgiving, and I remember like trying to finish up my piece before, uh, finish up at the at DTW before my flight, um, as well. But like, yeah, I, I I remember that one. I think that my column I ended up writing about I think still stands as like my favorite article I've written, um, for Impact. So I don't know. But uh, all that to say. Uh, I'm very glad that I got to be a part of this beat and covering the team with you guys has been awesome to say the least. And it's been some of the best experience. Uh, I'll pick my favorite uh, moment from this season. I'm going to go very different. It was not a particular game. It was, I think it was whatever the first game I covered. It might've been UMass Lowell. It doesn't matter, but going below the stands into the press conference room doing the presser at that point I'm too intimidated to ask questions but coming out and you walk out of the tunnel the ice is in front of you the lights are above and just thinking if I ever lose the feeling of this like just seeing where I am and what I get to do I want to quit my job those moments after each and every press conference that's my favorite moment covering this team I like that that was way more poetic than mine damn Feel, well, I'm gonna cry a bit. I'm gonna cry. Now. It's, it's almost good. like I came into this university an English major. No, I'm I'm so glad you got to put on the beat this year. Yeah, this it, has been you great. did a heck of a job, Phillips. I love your work, and you get to continue it. Obviously, Stincy and I won't. We're graduating, yeah. so this may be the last time you hear our voices for behind the mask. But Phillips is going to be carrying the torch way up high, and hopefully, you uh you steer the newbies in the right direction. Whoever whoever joins the hockey beat next year we'll see yeah i have no idea what the beat will look like so yeah but uh yeah that about wraps up this episode and most likely this season of behind the mask from most likely the last time rounder dosevich alongside jacob stinson and jacob phillips thank you guys so much for listening to this whole entire season of behind the mask and we'll see you next year have a good one <laughs>